Good evening, everyone from wherever you are joining us. It's evening here, Nigeria. Okay. We want to bless the Lord God Almighty for another opportunity to gather at his feet to study his word. Let us bow our heads to prayer. Father, we come washing ourselves full in the blood of Jesus Christ, your son, and clothing ourselves full in his righteousness. We enter into your most holy presence to join the angels to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And may your presence sweep this place. May your spirit instruct us, your children. And Lord, may as many as you have ordained to join us, may you please you to hasten their steps, that together in the fellowship with the Father through the Son, by the power of the Holy Spirit, for it's in Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. 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 Okay, we continue our study series on the book of Colossians. And today we are doing Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, from verse 2, which we've done part of it last week. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. That I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Amen. Amen. Yes, like I said earlier, last Monday, our focus was on earnest praying, which must be accompanied by vigilance and thanksgiving. Our Lord Jesus Christ was the first to mention the need for vigilance to his drowsy disciples in the garden of Gethsemane. Matthew 26, 40. Then he came to the disciples and found them asleep and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, let us spend a moment to look closely at the challenge of spiritual watchfulness. What exactly does this mean? Our Lord Jesus Christ revealed that it is indispensable for any disciple who decides, who desires to stay away from temptation. Watch, 
that you do fall not into temptation. According to Webster's Dictionary, the first meaning of watchfulness is wakefulness and sleeplessness. But the second meaning falls in line with the Bible thought, carefully observant or attentive, being on the watch. What exactly do we understand by this? What exactly are we watching out for? When the Bible says, be on the watch, but what are you watching out for? Our Lord Jesus says it is temptation. Whether we're at home, at work, in our offices, or on the streets and marketplaces of life, we are to be carefully observant and pay attention to what is being said and done around us so we do not fall into temptation. King David showed this lack of watchfulness in his adultery with Bathsheba as recorded in 2 Samuel 11, 2-5. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent words to David saying, I'm pregnant. Watchfulness is an active process. We take definite steps to guard all entrances into our soul, whether they be from things we see, things we hear, things we touch, things we smell, or things we do. In Psalm 39, verse 1, the Bible said, the Bible says, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin, I will put a muscle on my mouth as long as the wicked are in my presence. Two things we must avoid in this spiritual watchfulness. The first is presumption. The second is indulgent rationalizations. As revealed in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 to 13, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Nobody should presume that they have a great deal of strength and so begin to run where angels fear to walk. The other thing is indulgent rationalization that says, I'm sure others have fallen into the same sins like me. It can't be only me. Yes, the Bible states that the temptations we face are not peculiar. But when God allows them to come through, it is under understanding that you and I have enough grace and strength to overcome them. If we fail, 
And rather than sorrow unto repentance, we rationalize by saying that others must be fallen too. It just couldn't be me alone. We follow a very dangerous path to ruin. The Apostle Paul had this in mind when he wrote about the man that is overtaken in a fault in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. This thought of being careful when helping those who have fallen into sin was echoed by the apostle Jude in Jude chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. Yes, indeed, it is good to, to uh, assist people who have fallen into sin to get back on their feet and stand. But Jude has this to say, but you, dear friends, you must build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Rescue others. This is the point. Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but do so with great caution. Do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. A young man um, told me, this was a few years back, that uh, he was trying to help someone who was into sexual perversion. And then he suddenly realized that uh, he's beginning to get the feelings of sexual perversion. I said to him, Ron, 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 you can't handle it. When you're trying to help someone in the grips of one fleshly lust or the other, we're asked to do so with great caution so that we do not end up falling into the grips of the same temptation and evil. When we try to convince a person who is in unbelief of the truth about Christ and our common salvation, we must be very careful not to get into discussions that we put doubts in our own minds as to what we believe. The Apostle Paul warned Timothy to avoid all these debates and arguments because they lead to strife. In 1 Timothy 1.3, when I left Macedonia, I urged you to stay there in Ephesus and stop those whose teaching is contrary to the truth. Don't let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations. Quick don't help people live a life of faith in God. The purpose of my instruction is that all believers will be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. But some people have missed this whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. They want to be known as teachers of the law of Moses, but they don't know what they're talking about. 
even though they speak so confidently. Yes. You see, they don't even know what they're talking about, yet they're so confident. And this is why when you're trying to help someone and you find that they're really wasting your time and that they're not really interested, they just pray for them and move on before you fall foul and begin to be affected and impacted by their views. Of particular notice that these people speak so confidently, yet they really don't know what they are talking about. The caution is to watch out, lest by continually listening to them, you begin to think like them. Now, this is clear evidence that there is a spirit of evil behind many lusts. They contaminate the lives of those who expose themselves to this evil without caution. The apostle Peter said this about Lot, who lived in Sodom in 2 Peter 2, verses 7 to 8. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. That, that's where the caution is. That's where the spiritual watchfulness is. You cannot, you and I cannot afford to continually expose ourselves to things we know that can derail our faith. You know, I, 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 I told uh, people about uh, years ago, you, you put on your internet and you see all these girls beckoning, waving, waving, click, click, click. And some people have clicked and that's how they've gone into pornography. The Bible says, be vigilant. You know, the devil is determined to drag people to hell. And you and I must say to whatever forces, not me, not me. Now, that the two daughters of Lot committed incest with their father after escaping from Sodom showed that those who expose themselves constantly to immorality and sexual perversion may soon find themselves engulfed in the same urges. We can read, we can read all that from Genesis 19, 30 to 36. Now, it is for this reason that Jude admonished that we must spend time building up ourselves in our most holy faith by praying in the power of the Holy Spirit so we may receive inner strength as revealed in Ephesians 3.16 that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. This is the strength to resist every temptation that can only come to us from the Holy Spirit of God. Watchfulness has its greatest strength in avoidance, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from every form of evil. Avoidance is, 
is at the height of spiritual watchfulness. There is no need, you know, to get involved when you don't have to. There is no need to get involved when you don't need to. Apostle Peter wrote to the church in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts because they war against the soul. The Apostle Peter wrote, Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 6.18, Flee! Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now, staying away from sin through watchfulness ensures an unbroken fellowship with God through the indwelling Holy Spirit. By avoidance, through avoidance, through escape, through uh, abstention. We keep things that can drag us and entrap us. We keep them far from us. This is the correct form um, uh, of sin consciousness where we are watchful. You see, a lot of people talk about sin consciousness. I say, yes, that is a correct form of sin consciousness where you are watchful. So, hmm, this, this thing, Hmm. No, 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 no. I don't want to get involved. You know, you're, you're sensitive to the things that you know that can entice the soul because the Bible says that every man is tempted when they're drawn away by their own lust. We have a saying in our in Ibo land that's, that uh, goes like this, that when greeting passes the elbow, it becomes an embrace. And, and what does that mean? It means that you, you, you and I are vigilant. You're watching this thing. And, and, and you see it creeping, creeping, creeping. And suddenly you say, oh, no. You've, you've come too far already. And, and it is that vigilance that you and I need to protect our relationship with God. Because that relationship is our life. The relationship we have with God, that's our life. Now, this is the sin consciousness that assists us to be vigilant. This is not the sin consciousness that is self-condemnatory and, and does not embrace the forgiveness that is in Christ. But this one is a quickening that rings an alarm bell in the heart of a man that says, it's time to stay away. It's time to keep away. It's time to leave. It's time. It's time to stop before you get trapped. Now, the solution to maximum watchfulness is in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 to 14. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, we are alive to the fact that we are called to live 
holy lives that glorify God. Everyone must, must be alive to that truth. We are called to live holy lives that glorify God on the earth as Christians, as children of God. Whether we're at home, whether we're at work, in the private or public arena. Now, to avoid all avoidables, we must be led by the Spirit of God in all things. Some things may look innocent, harmless. It takes the Holy Spirit to unveil the potential danger they carry so we can steer clear of unnecessary temptation. Oh, I tell people that quite a, quite, quite a lot of temptations we face are unnecessary. It is because we miss the cue from our guide. There is no need constantly struggling with one thing or the other, no. But if we are led, you know, we reduce all these pressures that uh, have the potential of entrapping us in sin. And the, 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 the most important thing here is that we want to protect that relationship we have with God. We want to protect the, the residence of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit. We don't want to grieve him like the Bible says in Ephesians 4.30. Don't grieve him. And as you and I know, if you grieve him and he leaves, you may, he does not warn you that he has left. Like happened to Samson. He didn't know that the spirit had left. Now, the Apostle Paul then says that we need to maintain this vigilance with thanksgiving. The idea of gratitude for every day we are preserved from all harm and danger, from all manners of evils and trappings and like the psalmist said, he said they, they laid a snare everywhere I'm passing. They laid a snare for me. And so every day that we, we, we stay away, every day that we stand strong, every day that we continue to, to uh, be faithful to our calling in Christ, oh, we must come back with thanksgiving. We must come back with thanksgiving and be grateful to God Almighty for grace, sustaining. I call it sustaining grace. We are called to give thanks in all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We give thanks in all these situations so that God's grace will continue to abound for us. There is no strength outside of grace and outside of the spirit. We are also called to give thanks for all things in Ephesians 5.20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when we give thanks to God for all things, it becomes an affirmation of our faith in God that no matter the challenge, God is able to sustain us, to keep us from falling, like Jude said, unto him that is able to keep us from falling. Thanksgiving, therefore, is a powerful element in our spiritual 
walk with God and relationship. For through it, we build deep soul bonds with our Savior, which keeps us steadfast, immovable, and always loyal to him. So nobody who is kept from day to day, nobody who is strengthened and is victorious over temptation should take it for granted that, that they have matured, they have become this and that. No, we must continually thank the Lord for the wonders of his grace. I talk always about the wonders of God's grace that can keep a man safe in his presence. Now, let us um, uh, leave all of that and move to the apostles' prayer request. You know, I, I have, I don't know if, I don't think I mentioned this in this forum that I went to a church once and, um, and I, I asked the people um, to, 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 not to make a personal prayer request, you know, for, for one week, you know, for one week. Don't ask it for anything personal, just pray. And by after three days, the pastor calls me to say, the people are asking me, what are we supposed to be praying for? And the implication of that is that when you take away a man's prayer requests for himself, for his business, for his wife, for his children, for his travel, for his passport, for his visa, when you take that away, he doesn't have anything to pray about. <laughs> so let us, let us learn a lesson from Apostle Paul's prayer request, which he gave to the Colossian church. Verse three says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God will open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Now, the prayer request of the apostle is quite instructive. It is a reflection of the spirit and letter of Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added to you. This letter to the Colossians was written from prison. But his prayer request was for God to give him an open door to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. He wasn't talking about praying for, for me to be released, praying for, for them to, 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 to give me better food, praying for, for them to unchain me from the soldier, praying. No, no. He said, he said, while I'm in this jail, I want you to pray that I may have opportunities to declare the kingdom of God the way I should. Not, not tempered by the chains that are, uh, that, that are binding me, but as unfettered man declaring the whole counsel of God, no matter who is listening. He desired the opportunity then to expound the mystery of Christ from his pre-existence. You know, the mystery of Christ, you have to begin from his pre-existence to his incarnation, to his life, and finally, to his death and resurrection. When men and women understand the mystery of Christ, they arise to embrace his salvation and the eternal life 
offered to all mankind through him. So this is, this is what the Apostle Paul, even though he was in jail, even though he was in a prison, but this was what was uppermost in his mind. There are people here around me who need to hear this truth, you know. And that's why in another uh, 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 letter he wrote that all the people, all the palace guards, they have heard the gospel now. They have heard the gospel. And all the people here know that I'm here for the defense of the gospel. The Apostle Paul desired the opportunity to expound the mystery of Christ from his pre-existence. John 17, 1 to 3, our Lord Jesus, he laid it out for us. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In other words, Jesus said, the gospel, eternal life, is the knowledge of God and of his Christ. And the apostle said, I need an opportunity to expound that mystery. You know, some time ago, we were talking about the divinity in humanity, which our Lord Jesus Christ brought to the world so that the divinity, then God nature in us can come alive. And then we will have fellowship with God, even though we're on this side. The desire of the apostle is for the grace to be able to preach and manifest the gospel of Christ in the way that he ought to, in a very impactful way. Now, now, that tells you and I that we need to stop and review our prayer request, our uppermost prayer request, and see whether we are confirmed we are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we, are, we are lining up with Matthew 6.33. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then turn around and every other thing will be added. The apostle Paul showed that he understood this. That even though he was in chains, the thing that was uppermost in his mind was the grace and the opportunity and the ability and the boldness to declare the whole counsel of, of God in Christ. That's where you and I should prioritize the kingdom of God in our lives and through us, in our prayers, in the way our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to do. Okay, so now we, we leave that to, to go to closing, his closing admonitions in verse five. He says to the people, walk in wisdom, toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Now, in this is closing admonitions to the church, the believers were asked to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside. Who are those that are outside? Who are those that are outside? 
we gain some insight from 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, verse 17 says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you and I'll be a father to you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Now, to walk with wisdom when dealing with unbelievers and those who persecute the church when dealing with those who have no interest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says here, you need wisdom. What does that mean? It means rightly dividing the word of truth, being careful to make sure that your Christianity, your loyalty to Christ is upfront. It is upfront. And that's why, you know, because a man's loyalty to Christ was upfront, his business colleagues said, well, there's no need to tempt you with these things anymore. You know, they said to him, we, we stopped coming to you because you, you said you were born again. So, you know, your, your, your relationship with Christ was upfront. It is wisdom to always put your relationship with Christ upfront so that the people know exactly where you stand in many things. Because you see, if they don't know where you stand, then they might assume that you're not ethical, that you're not moral, that you don't have integrity, that you're just religious. And that's why a man can say of a, 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 of a Christian, oh, I like his Christianity. You know, he's, he's a, a mature one. He doesn't uh, go to extremes. And I'm like, what does that mean? What does that mean? If a man, if a person can say of your Christianity or mine, oh, we're not extreme. You know, we're reasonable, we're rational. We, 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 we know how to handle some of these things. And that's what's killing the church. Because unbelievers can assume that um, even though we profess Christianity, but we really don't have integrity. We really don't have ethics. We really can't stand for the truth. We really don't stand on righteousness. We don't say no, really, to what is evil. We join. That's why he says, be careful now. Walk in wisdom. To, for, let them know who you are. Let them know whom you serve. So let them know that some of those things that unbelievers indulge in, get involved in readily, that because of your loyalty, to Christ, there's no way you can get involved in that. 
in the scripture union of the 70s, I remember a story they told us of a brother um, who was going to a place where there was a lot of Christian persecution. It was, it was a temporary posting for six months. And so after six months, he came back and everybody was praying for him. Who was praying for him when he was away? They were eager to know how he survived all the pressure. And the brother said, what pressure? He said, no, didn't they persecute you? He said, oh no, nobody persecuted me. Ah, how did that happen? Oh, I didn't tell anybody I was a Christian. When I know that if I told them I was a Christian, all hell will break loose. So I just prayed quietly in my room. So you see, when, when we hide the fact that we are Christian, then that in a world of darkness, there will be no light. And that's what Jesus said. You know, don't, don't, don't put your light under the table because you don't want trouble. You don't want persecution. But if you say up front, I'm born again, I'm a child of God, I'm loyal to Christ. You know, when, when, you, when that is up front, then unbelievers will know what to bring to you. And, 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 and that will help you and I stay away from temptations. So to work with wisdom when dealing with unbelievers and those who persecute believers, to reveal to them the truth as it is in Christ, no matter the pain or the pressure, up front. It also implies relating with them with a higher level of spiritual, moral, and ethical insight. Yes, sensitivity to right and wrong. You know, sensitivity to right and wrong. This is the admonition to let the word of God teach us the truth to apply in our lives as we deal with unbelievers. You know, the wisdom. Particularly, particularly to put it up out, out there in front. This is also an admonition not to allow the error and falsehood peddled by unbelievers and their compromised stances with evil affect our Christian principles and, and the standards of our Christian calling and our loyalty to Christ and to the truth of the gospel of, of Christ. And then <clears throat> the next admonition the Apostle Paul gives is redeeming the time, redeeming the time. To redeem the time is to maximize every moment we have and make it count for time and for eternity. We build eternity as we pass through time. And so we must dutifully engage in things that count for eternity while we are passing through time. Not just engaging only in things that only matter in time. This admonition to redeem the time has continued to acquire increasing relevance as the world contrives more and more avenues to while away time. The apostle has a word for his protege, Timothy, in this regard, in 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, but reject profane and old wise fables and then the second part says, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, 
But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Imagine where somebody spends 10 minutes to study their Bible every day and pray, and then goes to the gym and spends four hours. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. You know, the bodily exercise, it profits little. It doesn't say it doesn't profit. No, it profits little. But godliness is profitable in all things because it has benefit in this life. It has benefit in the life to come. So when you are redeeming the time, you know, you and I are redeeming the time, you put value, you know, a portion time to the things that matter to you most. And see that uh, you have not tilted your time maximization for things that don't pertain to eternity. Yes, everybody can go out to the gym, have a 30 minutes workout, a 20 minutes workout, uh, or even an hour's workout. But to spend so long and then spend so little time, you know, meditating on the word, trying to learn about God, about the Holy Spirit, about the Father, trying to learn about the walk of holiness before God and the exercise of spiritual power and authority. No, but you spend so much. So that's what redeeming the time is about, apportioning the time so that you can spend quality time growing spiritually. Amen. Exercise yourself in godliness. Spend your time studying how to live a godly life in every area of life. Physical and fitness exercises were popular then as they are now. But the apostle remarks that by comparison, exercise in godliness is far more profitable than the benefits of physical exercise. You can sense a man's priorities in how he allocates the use of his quality time. Today, we battle to escape the entrapping grips of 24-hour television. But all it offers, some useful, but quite a few harmful to the spiritual health of the soul. Godliness, it has the power to impact our lives so positively in time and eternity that it gives us the sensitivity to redeem the time. Yes, you can watch television. Yes, you can watch this and the other, but don't let it now take a hold of you. You know, that there's no way you can go to a place without flicking on, flicking on the television. We redeem the time by making sure the dissipations of life do not dominate our thoughts and meditations to the wrong kind of television. David Wilkinson, he said that it was after he gave away his TV and spent the two to three hours he used to spend daily watching television, praying that the Lord gave birth to that ministry that impacted so many drug addicts in Times Square in New York. Okay, the Teen Challenge Ministry. Now, we must stop to imagine what new world will emerge before us if we spend less time in all these things and more time praying and meditating on the word of God. Redeeming the time also involves taking every opportunity that comes our way to share our faith 
with people you come across in the hustle and bustle of life. You can never say, you can never say whether that will be the only time they will hear that gospel. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience. And when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. In other words, you know, you're on a flight, you're on a ride, you know, always taking opportunity. I remember, you know, in many years ago, you go from UI to Dubai and you must preach in the bus, distribute tracks, you know, that was, that was normal, you know. And then you're, you're, you're taking a, 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 a trip, you, you have tracks that you can give out. You know, all those things are deliberate uh, efforts to, to share the gospel. You never know. Um, the, the, the first um, uh, president of um, a full gospel businessmen's fellowship in Nigeria, Elder Simon Bata, he said he got converted from a tract he picked up from the dustbin. <laughs> Obviously, the, the man they gave it to threw it away. You know, and he found it, got saved, and God used him mightily in establishing Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International here in Nigeria. And for this sensitivity, we need the Holy Spirit, of course, to give us that word in season for the people we meet. And Jesus, he told his disciples, our Lord Jesus, he told them, when you come, don't think of what you will say. The Holy Spirit will give you what you will say. And that's why when you and I are sensitive, we will say, Lord, this fellow sitting next to me, just give me a word. Just give me a word. You're praying in your heart. And suddenly opportunity comes for you to uh, have an exchange with them. I have had that kind of experience time and time again. And finally, seasoned speech. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer each one. What do we understand by speech that is always with grace? This is speech that is courteous, respectful, and also quite exciting to the listener. When it is seasoned with salt, it is spiced with charm and intellectual stimulation that attracts engagement and discussion. There are some who give the impression that Christian talk is dull boring, uninteresting, censorious, and judgmental. Here the apostle is urging you and I to the contrary. When we share our faith, we must make it exciting and engaging, laced with the truth and the wisdom from the word of God, answering the doubts and confusions of would-be believers. Salt is not only a sweetener, but also a sanitizer and a preserver from corruption and rottenness, must therefore make our gospel sharing thoughtful, inviting, engaging, healing, life transforming to the glory of God. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, doctor. We have a few questions already. And uh, one of the questions coming from our previous session says, can you please give us uh, some more light in the area of 
giving by the spirit. He said, what, do you, what, would you, what would be the best thing to do when you support missionaries? And sometimes you find them demanding from you instead of allowing God to lead you to give them support. Oh, no. They, they, says, I, struggle, I struggle with the thought of my giving them being carnal instead of spiritual. No, no. Um, um, whenever, it doesn't matter. It's not, it's not just missionaries. Even in church, wherever, whatever they are, or, or money they are raising, you know, I have said repeatedly that when you give according to the spirit, your seed will have life. So it doesn't matter who is asking you. It doesn't matter who is pressuring you. You still respond by saying to the Lord, how uh, do you want me to respond to this? How much do you want me to give? And whatever you hear, you do. That's why there is no condemnation to those who walk, who are in Christ Jesus, who walk by the spirit. There's no condemnation. Somebody cannot then come tomorrow and say, ah, you're so miserly. You gave only uh, 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 10 naira to, uh, to, that, to that cause. You say, well, that's what I was convinced to give. That's it. You don't have any condemnation. You know, and that's why the, 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 the walking by the spirit, oh, it brings us into liberty. You know, the scripture said, you know, that, you know, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It's liberty. Yes. yes. Thank you, doctor. You know, and then, you know, you talked about vigilance and sensitivity with thanksgiving. It's a very careful balance to avoid the lusts and the carnalities that, uh, that the world is trying to use to invade uh, the church. Please, can you highlight that some more, sir? Uh, well, it, the Apostle Paul was very careful. And, and it, it tells you, uh, give you some insight into what Solomon said, that uh, there is nothing new under the sun, you know. And so a Christian is very careful. You know, nobody can live their Christian life without being very careful. The, the, in Ephesians 5, it says, walk circumspectly. In other words, look before you leap. And, and, and so, so that vigilance, I don't, I don't need anything to mess me up here. Yeah. You know, and that's why you see, see, you, you, you can sense uh, 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 that someone that is coming around you, they, they have a seducing spirit, you know, whether you're a lady or a man, you know, or what is a lady or a man, that this, this, and, and, and all of a sudden, you sense that these people are, are they have a seducing spirit, and then you just, you just uh, uh, shift away from them, you know, those are the sort of vigilance that the Bible is talking about, or or uh, uh, you, you meet somebody and you are fr you're becoming friendly and then you, they start talking about them, all the corruption they're involved in. You know immediately that you can't do too much with them, you know, because they're going to drag you into those their ways. No matter how uh, uh, successful they may appear to be uh, uh, doing, but you know that uh, it's not about success. David had already told us that I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord That's than go it. That, 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 and dwell in the tent of unrighteousness. Yes, we already have all that scripture at the back of our mind that it's not about success and wealth. It's about godliness. And so it's that kind of antenna that is picking up signs of uh, you know, uh, uh, people who are likely to drag us into evil. And then it's just staying away from them and, and always, always asking the Holy Spirit you know, to monitor them. I, 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 I had an experience. Some two young men came to my office. They made a proposal. And, I, you know, it looked attractive. But then I, I had my doubts. Then I went home and I said to God, please, 
who are these young men? I don't know anything about them. Examine them for me. It was a simple prayer. And I had a revelation in the night that showed me, showed me in, in a mortal life and death struggle with two men and a lady. And when I woke up, the Spirit said, ah, stay away from those people. That's it. We need the Holy Spirit for all these things. Because it's not always that um, uh, uh, people who approach you or people who engage you uh, uh, come up front to show that uh, they have evil intentions. But when the Holy Spirit uh, 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 sensitizes us, particularly if we keep asking to be led, to be, to be guided, that shows we are vigilant. We are not presumptuous. You know, we know that all that glitters is not good. Very good. Okay, again, uh, another question, sir. He says, you, you talked about being, uh, identifying upfront as a Christian and also being intentional in looking for opportunities to share your faith. You want to highlight that? Yes. <clears throat> you know, uh, 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 they told us when we, were, when we got born again, the scripture, you know, that you must tell everybody, you know, that you, that you see, you know, or associated with you, that you are born again. Make sure they know you are born again. And we discovered that that's a very powerful thing to do because now, some of those people you told or unbelievers, they will not be the ones telling you, ah, I thought you said you're born again. What is this one you're doing again? <laughs> you know, so, so you realize that by telling them upfront that you have changed, you have become loyal to Christ, they help you stay loyal, you know. And, and, and some of them also, also stay away from you subsequently, you know, because they know that Every time they come around, you take the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And then the flip side of being intentional in looking for opportunities oh, yes. to share the gospel, oh, yes. like, like Paul said. It's, a, it's something that um, everybody needs to pray for. Say, Lord, you know, lead me to someone today. And so you are sitting down, you're sitting down with someone. The, 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 the ride is uh, half an hour, an hour, two hours, and you are praying. So, oh God, please, please. Please, I, I need to get a word in. I, I, I remember I was on a flight and uh, I wanted to so much. I wanted so much to witness to this lady. And, and uh, she kept looking away. She kept looking away. You know, I look in her direction. She kept looking away. She was sitting next to me. And then I kept praying. I said, oh, God, oh, God. Then finally, I saw she was wearing a, a checkered skirt. And I said, oh, that's a lovely checkered skirt. Ah, uh, finally we can talk. <laughs> so, you know, only the spirit can, uh, can do that, you know. Um, I was sitting on, this one was just an hour's flight to Abuja. And I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying. And this lady was sitting next to me. How would we start this conversation? And then she, she, I, I introduced myself, she introduced herself. I said, ah, you're, you're, you're uh, a Muslim. And say, yes. I said, are you married? She said, yes, do you, do you, um, does your husband have more than one wife? He said, oh yes, there are two of us. I said, how do you feel when he goes to the other lady? He says, she says, ah, that thing is a torture. <laughs> so see, that opened up and we, we began to discuss uh, 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 Christianity. You never know how the Holy Spirit will lead. You never know. But if you are sensitive and praying, will always give you an opportunity. It's just to break into a conversation with someone, you know, and then you but can it starts share with, it. 
But it starts with your desire to pursue the. Oh yes, of God. that that desire is there. It has to be there, you know, and you have to be keep praying. And you know, to be honest with you, sometimes you know you really you are really on top of it, but then sometimes it's like it's left you. So you have to continue to pray and desire it so that it, that sensitivity will be very very high, you know. So what do you say to people who you know based on? culture, training, or whatever. It says, look, you're going somewhere. You mind your own business. Don't be too forward you know, to yourself. <laughs> so how do you balance that now? Now it's the Holy because Spirit a, that can a... get us out of that. The Holy Spirit can get us out of that. Because Jesus said he will tell you what to say. You know, it's not about uh, people. Think about it, you know. It may be the only opportunity that person has to hear the gospel. And then you didn't uh, share it with them. And then they died and went to hell. And then they see you, you know, coming and going to heaven and say, ah, we were on that flight together, you didn't tell me. <laughs> you know, that's the sort of thing they used to tell us in the scripture, you know, to, to sensitize us. See? Because that may be, you never know, that may be their only opportunity to hear the gospel. And Thank you don't you have to say mental. something very complicated. No, you know, like the man that used to preach, the, the simple way he used to preach, is, sir, are you saved? If you're not saved, you, you see hell. And people were getting, people were getting saved, even though it was not a, a very orthodox way of preaching. You know, but that's the only way he knew to preach. Thank you, doctor. Please give us a closing prayer. And then we'll take the offering. Our Father and our God, we are so grateful that we can meditate, share the light in your word. Oh God, we surrender. We want to be vessels in your hand to reach the world with the light of the gospel. Oh, may your Holy Spirit possess us like never before. Amen. That your kingdom may prosper in our lives and prosper through us. And Lord, I lift up my hand to heaven for everyone under the sound of my voice that have a need of pressure in their lives. May your spirit unburden them now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give them joy and answer to their needs. Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. For it's in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen. Amen.